Zach, as always, welcome back. Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills taking you up until 2 o'clock. Big weekend coming up. Big sports weekend. Yeah. They always are in this time of year. And here's the thing, Grant. My somewhat off time when I actually dive into television, which is not often, as I'm sure you have, you've learned, my off time is from the end of NFL season, I guess end of college football, because then the NFL is only on the weekend and you have the whole week to do other things. But mm-hmm. the end of the college football season to the beginning of baseball season, that's when I dive into television. And I'm in a tough spot because I watch baseball every single night when it starts. As do I. Like, admittedly, I, I, I follow the Bucks. I follow all the games. I don't watch every game. I, I'm not the biggest NBA fan when it comes to those seasons when other sports are on. But March Madness is going on, and it's like a passive watch. When baseball starts, it's every single night. I, I have an issue. Are you a fan of succession? Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched when the first season came out. Not to be that guy, but. So the yeah. new season comes out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's either I have no life and binge watch it the entire beginning of next week before baseball starts, which is probably what I'm going to do, or I somehow fit it in on baseball off days, which is challenging. I I could be wrong here. Are they changing how they drop this season? Because normally it's one episode a week. It's just Sunday nights. It's HBO. Oh, no, you're right. So you won't won't have to binge watch it. It's an hour a week. You can make that work. Yeah, and also I have... I've gone on a complete boycott of Sunday night baseball ever since they put ever since they put a rod on the broadcast. I, oh, I, I can't on. do it. I listen to it. If my team plays Sunday night baseball, Grant, I listen on radio. I, I can't watch it or I put it on mute. I, I can't stand them. You are, you, you are getting at a point. I think it's an important one. And I think about this a lot. I do think the, the media decision makers in this country really overestimate how much the general American population likes Jeter and A-Rod. Like, cause now I see Jeter in all sorts of commercials. It's like, I don't, most people don't like Jeter. You know what I mean? I like, I like Jeter. Coastal elite. Well, I like Jeter. Like I respect Jeter, but okay. I also, every time anybody brings his name up, I feel obligated to say that he is the statistical worst defensive shortstop of all time. Mm-hmm. He was a second. He was, he was a second baseman. Okay. He was, he was a terrible fielder. So he had a lot then of clutch will, moments. He wasn't even the best shortstop on his own team. I will adjust and say that I think media decision makers overestimate how much the general American public likes a rod. How's that sound? Vastly overestimates. Yeah. I don't think anybody does like him. I, I don't know who does. And I don't want to speak for the public. I, I just can't stand him on broadcast. They had him and Michael Kay calling the wild card series. Don't need that. I don't need that at all. The you Yankees know, aren't in it. Like Yankees fans, they love it. Joe Davis has been uh, often discussed and criticized. Tough job taking over for Joe Buck. I thought he was great in the World Baseball Classic. I think I think he does a great job. It's an impossible job taking over for Joe Buck, who is of course it is. Uh, probably the greatest play-by-play man of our, you and my generation. Correct. It was tough seeing a baseball team I happened to like lose the World Series with a lot of Joe Davis. I, Joe Davis was part of my life every night uh, to turn around, and then on Sunday he's calling Fox NFL games where he's awesome. 
but I now equate his voice to intense heartbreak and sadness. So you've gotten to the point now that a lot of Packers fans got to over the last decade where Buck and Aikman were the soundtrack to so much misery. Right. They just think that Buck and Aikman hate our team, which isn't true. They just happen to be the pair in the booth every time the Packers piss down their leg in January. So now we're we're kind of over them. Oh, they hate the Packers. No, there's call a lot of playoff losses. You're there with Joe Davis. Interesting. Yeah, it didn't take long. I know Buck and like I'm I'm sure Buck and Aikman got they got compensated quite well for the move to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's some regret there when the one playoff game they called was just an absolute trouncing Tom Brady's last game when the Cowboys just demolished him? I I don't want to speak. Well, they're making millions. They're not. It's fine. I, I was going to say, I don't want to speak for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but they don't care. <laughs> they don't care what I say. Uh, I feel like maybe they just wanted a new challenge. They're both relatively young. And they've called Super Bowls with Fox. They've been on that network for a while. They're well-liked. They could do that for the rest of their careers. And it would be good. I feel like they wanted to try something else. I don't know that they looked at going to ESPN as some huge uh, promotion or step up in the in a, in a bigger, better direction. They made more money. It's different. It's a different experience. Yeah, they get to see more teams. It's a different night. It's, yeah, just doing something different. New challenge. I thoroughly enjoy the interactions between Buck and Scott Van Pelt when they go mm-hmm. to Sports Center at night. Those are funny. Yep. Those guys are great. There was an awesome video that surfaced yesterday of Scott Van Pelt a couple nights ago, completely lost his voice, which is somewhat important for what we do <laughs> when you're hosting a, a sports show or any show. He lost his voice, and Stanford Steve was there trying to help him through it, and he was just battling, calling like Winnipeg Jets highlights. It was incredible. Then he got through it. And it was, I mean, it was one of the more impressive feats of our age. I like SVP. I like sports center with SVP. It's the last kind of bastion we have of like a true wrap up summary show. We're like, Hey, if you miss sports today, watch this for 20 minutes and they'll catch you up. We don't get that as much as we used to like sports center is a little different. Get up and first take are different. I still get that with SVP. Or even if you watch sports that day, I used to watch SportsCenter, even though I had already watched the games, because I wanted to watch people I liked call the highlights, because they're awesome. And one thing I think ESPN got wrong and has gotten away from is on SportsCenters, there's a lot of discussion about stories, and they bring in experts to discuss those stories. I don't need that. I need Kevin Nagandi and Scott Van Pelt or your big-time hosts literally calling highlights of games I've already watched just nonstop. I want the ticker on the right side. I want to know that Brewers Cubs is coming up next. And I get to hear Chris Berman scream about or, and make some funny joke about someone's name when they come up. I'd like, that was, that's the pinnacle. And and yeah, Scott Van Pelt still does that. The the good thing is like, I don't watch hockey. So that's where I get some, some hockey chatter. Yeah. They have segment bad beats is incredible, but the concept of, of calling games, highlights of games we've already seen. It's just electric. That's the fabric of what it is. In middle school and in high school, getting up at like 545 on a Monday morning to watch Berman and Jackson do the fastest two minutes. Because I feel like I, back then, you know, I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have Twitter. If I didn't see a game or I didn't watch Football Night in America to see the highlights, I I didn't know what happened in Buffalo, Miami. I want to know. 
So I'd get up extra early on Monday and I'd watch that. It was just the the fast pace. Well, literally called the fastest two minutes or whatever it was. So that was the whole point. But we still have a little bit of that with Scott Van Pelt at night. And to bring this back to the beginning of the discussion, I do love Buck and Aikman talking with SVP after the game, 100%. Grant, our buddy Gerard checks back in on Twitter. He said, totally agree on A-Royd. Terrible. Sounds like he's reading off a cue card all game. The worst I heard. I Here's the thing. It's not the delivery of, of what he says. It's the content. Yeah. And the, the source. There's a I lot of... I want to hear him. Well, yes, but there's a lot of stuff he says that I just like adamantly disagree with when it comes to baseball, when it comes to the ins and outs of the game. So that's yeah. where we are. 877-867-1670. Can you stand A-Rod? Your call's next. Um, Grant, I did mention uh, the mock draft that I agree with 100%. I would like to publicly endorse this mock draft. Okay. Which is something, whenever we fill in, there are going to be some dates coming up in April where we'll be in as well, towards the back half I'll do a mock. Of, of April. Uh, I, I will be publicly uh, endorsing mocks. I might eventually put my dream picks together, but first, I think the first step, the gateway step, is to say that we agree with something. The uh, Packers seven-round mock draft from Bill Huber on SI. Urge everyone to go find it uh, at Bill Huber NFL on Twitter. First round, number 15, Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brissie. Okay. Who, entering last college football season, was thought to be a first, the top five pick, top ten pick. Missed time with an injury and then had a had a, trage- a really unfortunate tragedy with his family where he missed a couple weeks for that as well. So he, he didn't play much last year because of a lot of stuff going on, but he is uber talented. He's awesome. But okay. that's your first-round pick if Jalen Carter's gone, shoring up that, that defensive line. And I believe he, he tested well. Six foot five, so, ran a four eight. Shades of Rashawn Gary a little bit, a player that had all the pedigree and the hype, but for a myriad of reasons is just going a little bit later in the draft? I think so. I think so. All of the hype on Brissy was entering the season, and Clemson as a whole also struggled a bit, struggled more yeah. than we thought, more more so offensively. But yeah, he just he just wasn't on the field. Gary, yeah, yeah, I could see comparisons there. Okay. I think he's super talented, but that's the first round pick. Second round, number 42 from the Jets. I figure this is for Aaron Rodgers. Georgia tight end Darnell Washington. Love 100%. He is if there's one player that I would I would put stick a flag in the ground. One player I need the Packers to come away from this draft with Darnell Washington. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's close between anybody else. He's just incredible. Every, what? Uh, fits well, cold weather, power football. Oh. Can catch. He's Mercedes Lewis, but can catch and run routes. People have said on the sideline of, of games, when they play TCU in the title game, he, he's bigger than TCU's offensive lineman. But he has the athleticism to to do it all. Oh, he's amazing. I do sometimes question his fit alongside Josiah DeGuara. Um <laughs> who Jordan Love I'll get over that. Loves. And Jordan Love. Yeah. Yeah, I would buy Josiah DeGuara stock just because Jordan Love always throws him the football. Yeah. If he sees the field. Second round, number forty three from the Jets. So this is projecting that the Packers get forty two and forty three. The two second round picks for Rodgers. Kansas State outside linebacker Felix and Adike Uzoma, who I don't know everything about, but I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com, who does a lot of draft stuff, uh, NFL Network, 
He loves him. Really productive edge rusher. A guy to put behind Gary and Preston Smith and and build up to hopefully take one of those roles. 6'3", 255. And I like him. As well. Yeah. Uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, finalist for the Ted Hendricks Award as a nation's top defensive lineman. Eight and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. He's eight forced fumbles in the last two seasons. I like that. So I don't know everything about him, but I know all of the all of the NFL.com talking heads are all over him. Uh, late second round pick. I, I've seen him go in the late first in, in some box. As a nose for the football, some might say, with those fumble numbers. <laughs> some Some would say. Uh, second round, number 45, Boise State safety, J.L. Skinner. I admittedly don't, I, I know close to nothing about Boise State, but you get your safety or hopefully a, a safety, maybe play special teams as well. But you look at those first four picks, it is Brian Brissy, sure up the defense line, Darnell Washington, fill the hole at tight end, add to the pass rush, which every GM would love to do every draft, and then mm-hmm. try to go after safety. Uh, you, you go into the third round, there's a BYU tackle, who, again, I admittedly don't know everything about, but as a depth guy along that line. The problem is it's the third round, which many would point out that the last time they drafted a tackle in the third round was last year, and he took steroids. Um, Fourth round, I like this one, Michigan State wide receiver Jaden Reed. I like that. Who's who's thrown around, and that's a depth guy. Maybe he'll he'll challenge Samori Torre. You took the words right out of my mouth, Ben Kenny. (laughs) That a boy. Someone to push. A young, talented wide receiver. Oh, I love it. Need it. Uh, Princeton wide receiver Andre Losivas. Butchered that. Iosivas. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's another wide receiver. There's there's another uh, another flyer. 6'3", 4'4", speed. Burner. Um, so, yeah, then you get deep in the, in the late rounds. Here's the interesting pick. Seventh round, number 232. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Ooh, now I bet you can tell us a little something about uh, DTR, as as we say, as we call him, as some say. He's awesome. I mean, he's not a he's not a top pick. He's the backup. If you take him in the seventh round, it's clear. There's no controversy. There's no why did he use a top pick on a guy? This is clear. We are drafting him. He is very athletic, probably projecty, but to be the backup, he he would do a terrific job. Talk about mimicking Justin Fields in the division. He has some of the same skill set as Fields. He's talented. He's talented. And he is crazy productive in college. I don't know how it translates. Um, This last pick I wanted to highlight, which I also love. Seventh round, number 235, Northwestern running back Evan Hull. Love. There's something going on with Northwestern where they have have two or three guys. Skaronsky's one. Hull's one. They have, a, they have a defensive lineman who's going to go in the top two rounds who is a crazy athlete. Mm-hmm. And then Evan Hull shows up to the to the combine and runs a really good speed. But he was a bruiser. But it's because their freaking grass at Northwestern is so long. So when they have athletes, they can't even show their athleticism. They need another running back. Seventh round would be a perfect place for it to happen. He, he would be a and good I would third love a Big back. Ten guy. And the last one, which I also love, seventh round, Purdue tight end Payne Durham. Ooh. Oh, Bill, I, Bill's pushing all the right buttons. The final pick of the draft, compensatory seventh round, Michigan kicker Jake Moody. Oh. You serious? I, I really like this draft. 
It's incredible. Um, Sports Illustrated, Bill Huber put it out. I, I'm not going to tell you that I know much about some of the mid-round guys that I haven't heard a lot about and did not play in the Big Ten. But those that, that first group, give me Darnell Washington. Give me, give me Brian Brissy. Give me the Kansas State kid. And, and then late in the draft, I think this is a perfect strategy. Backup quarterback, somebody who maybe could turn into something productive but also will be cheap and non-controversial. Evan Hull, I think it would be perfect. Another running back. Another depth tight end. A Big Ten tight end, you know, could play some inline. And a yep. kicker. So just looking at the positions, uh, high-end D-line and edge rushers, tight end, depth-wide receivers, depth running back, and a safety, and a backup quarterback. Brilliant. I would love it if they would allocate their resources to those positions. I can't tell you much about all those players, but those are the positions that need to be addressed. I like that. I have a weird feeling that DTR would find himself in a game and would ball out for one and just create, or no, it'll be preseason. It'll be the age old Danny Etling, Kurt Benkert fiasco. We go through where they're all better than love in the preseason from what we hear from callers. I wanted to hit this too, Grant. Uh, Matt Schneiderman put out in the athletic, the top 20 draft targets for the Packers, meaning if, again, if if number one is there, you take one. If one's gone, you take two. Okay. If, if the first two are gone, you take three. And you put out 20, even though the Packers obviously draft 15th. How many players do you think are before a wide receiver on this list? Um, He's probably a Brian Branch guy. Thinking of Schneidman. Probably up there. I'd say five. It is actually eight. Oh, I don't know that I like that. I feel like we're limiting ourselves. I think I do, and here's why. He is Jalen Carter number one, which, again, if you if you control for the off-field stuff, which is part of it, but if yeah. it's just uh, w- what is the player fit there, I think it's perfect. Well, I love Jalen Carter, too, but wish in one hand, you know, use that expression today. I've heard it. Uh but there are a lot of there's there's his second is Skaronsky, who off my board I'm out on. But the third is Paris Johnson, who I love. But those are that's defensive tackle, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, trenches, big ugly, which I think works. And then Broderick Jones, another offensive tackle. Okay, so it's clear that that this is at least his approach, and I think I somewhat agree with it. There's Miles Murphy, who's an edge rusher from Clemson, on mm-hmm. the. Line with Brissy, who's also really good. And then Branch, you mentioned. Lucas Van Ness, who I know you don't like. Off my board. And Nolan Smith, the crazy athletic edge rusher from Georgia, who didn't play last year. He ran a 4-3-9-40. I'd be okay with those guys. I don't want a safety at 15. I'll bang my head into a wall if they draft a safety with the 15th overall pick in the draft. I just feel like the Packers have been really good at drafting linemen in later rounds. And that's why Paris Johnson and the like maybe give me a little pause at 15. Skaronsky doesn't give me pause. He gives me stop. He's not on my board, off my board. But Paris Johnson, yeah, that seems like a like a common sense pick. Who's one of the best programs in the country? Ohio State. Best alignment? Take him. That's the opposite of overthinking, which I like. Yeah, I like Johnson a lot. And, and then it goes into where his number 9 and 10 and 11 are Jordan Addison- Smith and Jake, but Jalen Hyatt. So that's where he's got Jalen Addison over those guys. Huh? Yeah. I'm out on that. 
I'm sure Vagabond Johnny agrees. Did I say Jalen Addison? I meant Jordan. 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 877-867-1670. Real quick, we could take a call here. Line one, you're on the Bill Michael Show. Who do we got? Hello. Yo, man, it's your buddy Bruce. How y'all doing Bruce, today, man? What's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm over here working, just chilling, listening to the radio, and uh, I don't know. I figured I'd call into the show, see what's going on over there with the boys over there. Yeah, what's on your mind, buddy? Yeah, what's on your mind, buddy? Um, I got a question. Um, what, 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 do the Packers have a first round pick? They do. Number 15. Number 15. What would you, what would you do if they went out and got a, a quarterback at 15? Ooh. That's a good question. And I appreciate the phone call, Bruce. My real answer I, is I would despise it. Could I ask you a question, Ben, to add on to this question? Sure. What quarterback would have to fall to 15 for you to be okay or even happy with the selection of the quarterback at that position in the draft? CJ Stroud. Okay. That's the only one. Okay. The other guys are projects. Well, except Bryce Young, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would take him over. I wouldn't use that pick to take him over love. So if you had your choice of any quarterback in this draft, you would take Stroud? Easily. Oh, okay. so easily. Just watch the Ohio State-Georgia game. Well, I do. I, I, I don't pay attention to pro days. I just watch the film, the all 22. <laughs> Stroud, um, very, very good at moving in the pocket, which I feel like translates well to the pros. Yes, he's incredible at it. And against a defense with, obviously, a lot of first-round picks and, and draft picks, mm-hmm. he, he played the most impressive quarterback game I think I've seen since Joe Burrow in that game. Yeah. But. The thing with Anthony Richardson and and Will Levis is they're projects. So if you would take them at 15, which I would not be in favor of, they wouldn't start for the next couple years. So it's not as if you would take them into battle with love. So it'd be a weird spot. I, I think you could, I think that would make more sense than taking a guy to, to be the starter. Instead, take a guy that you try to build up for the next couple years. That's a love insurance plan. Okay. But, I, I can almost guarantee they won't do that. I would be categorically against it. As would I. 877-867-1670. I, I don't think it's a, you want to have two, two bites at the apple, two throws at the dartboard. Oh, damn. To try to find one. Cause it's either loves the guy or not. And then you have outs to go find guys in the future. So there's yeah. a draft talk. 877-867-1670. We can get back to the phones when we come back. What would your plan for for the first round, first couple rounds be for the Packers in this coming draft if they grab some seconds in the Aaron Rodgers deal? We'll hit on that. Got March Madness coming up, some some spring football chatter, a lot more to come. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Be back after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Back, Bill Michaels show, Ben Kenny, Grand Bill taking you to two o'clock. A couple segments left. We can take your calls, 877-867-1670. Thoughts on the on the Packers draft strategy. Uh thoughts on whether the offseason has been a success. You got March Madness up tonight, Mr. Bills, which I figure you will not be watching because you don't like after the first two rounds. Um 
Um, notable matchups, including San Diego State, Alabama, which I, I still wonder how they're going to cover it when Bam is in the final four. How much? How much is the whole situation mentioned? Probably it's, not a lot. It's a weird spot for the television crew. It's a tough spot because you don't want to take away from the team and their accomplishments. You don't want to not say anything. I'll watch Bama because there's NBA prospects on that team. I'll watch Big Ten teams. I'll watch teams with potential NBA lottery picks, right? Because those are guys that are going to be playing at the next level. I like to have a little background on them. Watch the tape, you know, prepare for the NBA draft and the lottery. Yeah, no NBA pro days. We are we are an anti th- we're an anti uh, shooting at pro days show as well. Yeah, Miami, Houston, Houston, seven and a half point favorites. I don't like Miami, and I think it's because their their football team is just uh, completely fraudulent every year, where they get yeah. all the talent and they can't play football, even though that could change under Cristobal. But that has nothing to do with their basketball program. I just don't like them. So Houston, seven and a half point favorites. Creighton, Princeton. I would love for the Cinderella to end with Princeton. Um, because, You're anti-Cinderella? Well, Creighton's good. I love Creighton. They're yeah. electric. And I don't need to watch Princeton play another game. Yeah, I'm anti-Cinderella when we get to the Sweet 16. I'd rather the better teams move on to create better games going forward. Like Xavier, Texas is a great game. And in my bracket that nobody cares about, I need Texas to win that game. And then I have a chance to to win the bracket. So that's what's coming up. I care up. about your bracket then. Coming up tonight. 877-867-1670. Our buddy Court's in Whitewater. Court, what's up? Court. Hey, Ben. How you, how you doing, guys? Wonderful. How are you, man? Uh, good. I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. My question for you is this. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, if he gets moved, we're going to get some type of trade capital for him. Hopefully, it's this year. Is there anybody worth packaging a couple picks to move up outside of maybe, you know, Jalen Carter there's the other kid from Georgia, defensive lineman. That's an edge guy. That's really, really well. No one's really Smith. But yeah, that's him. And, but outside of those two guys, is there anybody really to really move up and go get it if you package, you know, our pick and maybe hmm. throw in another second or something like that to go up there? I think the question would be, would it be worth doing that, packaging up, sending two picks and move it? You'd move up a couple spots to get a guy you really need. Would that be better than coming into camp with instead two somewhat high pick rookies. Yeah, that that's a valid point. But it, let's say you're picking at 15 and all of a sudden it's the ninth and 10th pick coming and Jalen Carter's still on the board. You make the move to go get him. Hmm. I mean, make I think, call, ben. I think that's all going to come down to whether the off the field stuff, people are concerned or not concerned about it. I mean, take well, away the, yeah. the reckless driving. He showed up to his pro day 10 pounds overweight and and is kind of tanking his draft stock even from that as well. So it's, are they concerned about that? I don't necessarily, I, I would not do it. I would not do it. I would rather a guy like Brissy and then also a pick in the second round because that second round crop you talk about, Darnell Washington possibly and other guys that can help. I, I just feel like you need the maximum amount of young talent to figure out what works this year and then what you can take going forward. That's great. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, As Court. always, you guys do a great job filling in for, for Bill. Keep up the good work, okay? Thanks, Thanks man. Appreciate it. 877-867-1670. Grant, would you do that? Trade up, say, from, from 15 to 12 to take Jalen Carter? If it cost me my second-round pick or a bunch of picks, no. I, I trade up for quarterbacks. That's about it. 
Yeah. I don't think it's worth it to trade up for positions that aren't quarterbacks unless something wild happens. But I, I don't know if there's a prospect in the scenario that Corchus outlined that would make me want to do that, where it gets to eight, nine, ten, someone's still there. I don't know who that someone would be. There's enough players that I like. The New Orleans Saints last year traded a first round pick to move up a, a future first to move mm-hmm. up four spots to take Chris Olave. Is Chris Olave changing their team enough that they should have given up a future first? Probably not. I would say no. So but yes, they did the same thing for Marcus Davenport. The Packers got Jair Alexander and a future first that was spent on Darnell Savage. <laughs> But the, but the process was right. In, in this household, yeah. we care about the process. Yeah. We're a process, the process show. of drafting a safety in the first round is, I don't love that process. I love the process that got them the pick. Right. Yeah, I trading up for quarterbacks, I mean, if there are generational wide receiver talents like Jamar Chase, who were a bona fide top five pick guy, sure. But that's if your team is on the brink of just needing one guy. And the Packers aren't. The Packers need young talent, and they need it in a lot of places. So I would be very against it. And and they're not trading up for a quarterback. So it's kind of easy. What they should hope is that other teams trade up for quarterbacks and the better players fall. Yeah. That's the beauty of not needing one right now, having one and not knowing if he's the guy. But but being set for this year, but that's the clarity we talked about. That's why when you talk about this offseason – that now the next year is pretty clear. The plan going into it's clear. And the future, albeit murky because it's love or it's not love. But going into next year and maybe the year after, it's very clear, which as a GM, I think that's very important. You're not waffling on, is is Daniel Jones good enough or do we need to go find another guy? Yeah. No. I, I know what you mean. I'm anti-trade up almost all of the time. Watson last year was a I don't know. The guy looks like he's going to work out, but you can put another second round pick to do that. I feel like there was maybe a way to, I don't know. I just, I just feel like if you're not trading up for a quarterback, it's almost never good to trade up. And, and the teams that trade down, I feel like almost always get the better end of the deal in terms of yeah. full value. Yeah. But it, it doesn't I, mean they always end up with great players. Like look at the Vikings last year. They it, traded down and got a lot of picks and then none of them were really any, they were injured. Or just didn't go that well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the results can often overshadow what was a very intelligent move. Maybe Goody yeah. trades down from 15 and picks up even more picks. If he's really fans are ready for that one. I, I don't think they are either. But what if he's in a in a position where there are six guys that he would love to have and then number 20 calls and he could pick up an extra a future first or an extra second. I I would be in favor of that. Sure. Again, the, 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 the Goody misses on draft picks and, and a lot of people do as well, but the amount of shots you get at hitting on draft picks, the, the more good players you'll have. So that's getting a couple seconds for Rogers, whether it's a first, if you can trade back at a first in, in, in the next year, I mean, this is going to be a couple year building process. So I'm totally yeah. fine. They don't need to go get a guy that's going to, that's going to be incredible right away. They need a bunch of guys, as many as possible, from these drafts. Yeah. It's a good question, though. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. All right, uh, let's step away, take a quick break. We'll get to more when we come back. Ben Kenny Grant bills in for Bill Michaels, taking you up to two o'clock. 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back, Bill Michael's show. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills taking you to two o'clock. Bill will be back on Monday. So, Grant, I meant to hit this earlier. Okay. I somewhat forgot about it, but it, it's been great chatter about the Packers draft and the offseason, how it's gone, NFL pro days, things of that nature. So Wisconsin plays in the NIT on Tuesday. And, mm-hmm. and maybe this is something that will be relitigated on Monday. But last night in March Madness, Michigan State lost, which, uh-huh. by the way, you hate to see, just generally speaking. Were you were you pulling for either one of the teams in that game or not really? Oh, Kansas State, 100%. Really? I root for the Big Ten to get out of the first weekend. And then after that, I don't need them winning national titles. I don't need it to validate my thoughts that the Big Ten's good because I already know it is. They just don't play well in March. But okay, so you're securing your confidence in the Big Ten. Gotcha. Well, the Kansas State team is also electric, and I love Very their good. color of purple. Um, but then all, all the tweets that came out after Michigan State lost is Wisconsin, oh, NIT Final Four. They're, the, they're here to carry the torch of the Big Ten in March because everyone else lost, even though they're not in the NCAA tournament. I'm out on that chatter. Oh. I'm I, I'm very pro making a run in IT because it's fun. And they haven't won this often since the start of the year. But I'm not into this. Like, okay, the comparison with Marquette, it was it was funny for a bit. Marquette clearly had a much better season and had a better team and made the tournament as a two-seed and then lost to Michigan State. But now that all the Big Ten teams are out, I don't need this whole parading around that the Badgers are still playing. It was a crap year, and they lost to almost all of the teams that actually made it in, mm-hmm. except for Penn State, who they beat twice, and probably should have beat Texas. But I'm just out on I I'm out on the chatter. Enjoy the NIT. I don't want to do the whole oh look, Wisconsin's the one Big Ten team to win a title this year because it was a bad Thank year. You. Like they weren't good. And when we say things like that, it makes us sound like fans of a lesser program, a little brother program, would say things like that which is kind of what I've been trying to convey this week. It's been met with heavy opposition. Maybe I conveyed it poorly. I probably did. But I agree with everything you're saying, Ben. And I think most Badgers fans probably would too. Well, the problem with your delivery is it was on Twitter. And yeah, yeah. there just isn't room for much elaboration when it comes to that. I mean, I elaborated for two hours on my show, and I don't know that that went much better so most of the people hating on twitter don't listen to your show that's the beauty of it the people who listen to my show though were also hating i I think it was presented poorly poorly in both theaters yeah so i'm yeah uh i'm in on the gif of greg guard doing the the brian kelly circle dance where he points at the camera love that gif (laughs) i think it's i think it's hilarious but out out on out on that nit chatter but it's coming up on tuesday like I'll watch. It's fun. They're in Vegas. They're playing North Texas, who apparently is pretty good this year. But it's not gonna. I I am done making comparisons to the NCAA tournament. I kind of like the NFL style schedule for the NIT, where it's like you play and then you have five or six days to stew and prepare for the next opponent. It's kind of awesome. I like the format. 
as opposed to the NCAA where they play two days later? Yeah, you don't have time to celebrate a big win. And it's become, not taking shots here, become clear to me that Badgers fans really needed something to celebrate. Now they have time. They have days to celebrate each win rather than needing to turn around 48 hours later and play again. But doesn't that add to the to the beauty of March Madness? Doesn't that add to the chaos because of the fact that the whole point of it is you have two teams often that they, they don't know anything about each other. Where you have some matchups where Iowa and Auburn in the first round, they had never played before. They don't know. They're, they're unfamiliar with each other completely. And then you have no time to prepare. And then it's just chaos. I think it's beautiful. That adds to it. If you have time to prepare, then everything would be so much more buttoned up, I think. Yeah, well, the NIT is a more buttoned up tournament then. I guess that's, that's what I have to add. Uh, well, they, do you want some breaking Brewers news? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Should I play the sounder? Uh, Probably not. If you want, yeah, you no. leave it. So I guess it's not breaking news, but take from this what you will. Uh, the Brewers lineup for their, their split squad game today has been changed. Uh, both Luke Voigt and Keston Hira have now been removed from the lineups. Oh, I don't know what that means. Neither do I. I'm trying to think about what it means. I mean, it could mean that he made the roster. Could. It could bubble also wrap. mean absolutely nothing. They're bubble wrapping Keston Hira. They've How? seen enough and they want him ready and healthy for the season. How in the world can you bubble wrap Luke Voigt? He is, he is <laughs> physically, he is naturally bubble wrapped. He also would tear yeah. the buttons of the bubble wrap off while playing. And he's a he's a first like he's a first baseman, but he's a DH. He's not playing the field for you. So how how dangerous could that be? That's interesting. I mean nothing. It just it seems like the NBA situation when we're approaching the trade deadline and all of a sudden a player who's been in conversations is out of the lineup yeah. with rest or something. Load you know, management. Kind of Load bit, yeah. I wonder I I wonder actually first if this is a smart move to win the game today, spring training wise. Yeah. Do you, do you think they improved the, lot, the lineup by benching Voight? In what way? No, it's a question. Is the lineup better right now, now that he's gone? Voight's been raking. Well, that's my point. I, I'm wondering when Craig Council is going to care about winning games. <laughs> you know? He's always playing for tomorrow, that bastard. It's it's crazy. Like, when are we going to focus on uh, on the games that are right now? Like, I think Voight got pulled for Telez, so you'll like that. And it looks like Hira got pulled for... So it can't be bubble wrap because that's Rowdy Teles. That's your day one first baseman. Well, they can bubble... I'm being, an, I'm being a jerk here. I'm, none of my takes are serious. There's no way they're bubble wrapping Luke Voigt and testing here. What are they bubble wrapping? <laughs> well, that's oh. what I'm going to tweet. And I just did at Wisco Grant. Oh, it's one of your... No, nah, those are one of your July call-ups when everyone else is hurt. They go on a one-series stretch against the Reds that makes us think they're good until they face a good team and we realize it's just the Reds, which is also the story of Christian Yelich's last three seasons. You can't minimize a divisional rival like that. That's a live God. series. I know you're from Philly. You don't understand what these rivalries mean to us. Yelich is – how many cycles does he have against the Reds? Three? All, all of them. Right. Then he has those two days where he'll hit a grand slam, come back at a couple doubles – against the Pirates, and oh, he's back. It's like, no, he's not back. It's the Pirates. Again, 
a passionate, emotional, divisional rival. Sure. All right. 877. Weirdly, Brewer seasons have been made or broken at PNC more often than you'd think the last couple of years. When stuff goes sideways, it always is at PNC. Just saying. Oh, it was last year. They got swept the the series after they traded Hader. In 2018, they lost five in a row. They got swept in a five-game series that included a a makeup rain game going into the All-Star break at PNC. It is awesome that those teams are in the division, though, because they are. It is great. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, though, back with Pittsburgh. Love it. The eye test. I, I'm sure everyone had trouble photoshopping Pirates jerseys onto Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, that's 877-867-1670. We have about two minutes here. Let's go to line two. You're on the Bill Michael Show. Who do we got? This is Wayne. Hey, what's up? Um, hey, uh, you're talking about... I read yeah. earlier today that today is the last day... Um, there was speculation on MLB trade rumors uh, Twitter page. Yep. That with Reese Hoskins, uh, Philadelphia situation, that Philadelphia. I'm aware of that situation, unfortunately. Right, but Philadelphia is looking for a first baseman, and today's the last day that Boyd could get out of his deal with Milwaukee. So there's speculation that he was going to ask to be released so he could go to Philadelphia. Um, wow. So I'm thinking that it's not bubble wrapping for the regular season, that those that might be roster moves wow. of releasing them. Thank you. I We have to run here. That is, I wish we had another hour, Grant. Is One quick thing. I would love to talk about this for another hour. I also read a column yesterday from our friend David Gasper reviewing the brew about why the brewers should try to trade Keston here to aid their first base position chew on that so with reese hoskins down for the season the phillies have Derek hall who's a lefty masher who can only hit righties luke voigt on the other hand is a righty masher who i don't know the splits but he figures to be a guy that hits lefties maybe they try to platoon that's a i i'm saying i'm saying hira right 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 i'm talking about voigt is is greg council letting both of them out of his grasp 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. We have to step away. We're up against it. We'll be back. Close it out next. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michaels show a couple minutes before we're out of here. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills. Bills back on Monday. Big plans this weekend, Grant. I am uh, going straight from here. I'm getting my tires replaced because it has been far too long. Nice. That is something very adult uh, of, of me to do. And then, yeah, that's it. You know, March Madness, sports, things of that nature. It's not golf season yet, and I'm not happy. I am going to Milwaukee. See some friends. No, that's that's, that's good. Yeah. I wish the Bucks were home this weekend, but what are you gonna do? Bucks win tonight, nine point favorites over the, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, they're letting Ingles play, have his reunion, and then he'll probably sit tomorrow. I think Middleton's out, so Middleton will play the second oh. game back to back, which is Denver. Joe Ingles revenge game tonight? Joe Joe Ingles appreciation game more like listen every time a player plays a former team 
the storyline means they're going to win. Joe Ingles' revenge game. But Wes Matthews has also played in Utah. One other player on the Bucks. It doesn't about. work for basketball because Crowder, I think. Everybody's played everywhere. True. It's no fun. They all just recycle them. That all just right. means a lot of revenge games. So many. Fun. Every other game is a revenge game. All right, that's going to do it for us. For all that have hung with us, we appreciate it. Bill, back on Monday. We'll be back in this chair in a couple weeks, but for Grant Bills and myself, we'll talk to you coming up soon. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you.